It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Listen, put me in the parking lot, you know, um, with bears and I'll go out there and play. It don't matter. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right. Happy Thursday here on Locked On Auburn. Zach Blackerby, Michael Pappas. How are you, sir? Doing well, Zach. Doing well. Sweet. Fantastic. All right, today we're going to talk about the top moments so far this season, as well as the uh, intensity of Zacoby McClain. we got a great voicemail from Warden, as well as um, Evers dropping us another voicemail as we talk about Bo Nix and compare him to the rest of the SEC. And it's crazy what a few uh, the difference a few weeks makes. So we'll jump into all that. First things first, top moments this season. Um, you want to do this similar to yesterday, where I share one and you share one? Does that work, Pap? Yes, it does. Cool. My first one is, um, I'm going to go with uh, the most recent one. Uh, mine are in no particular order, but the most recent one here is uh, the Schwartz deep catch against LSU. Talked about it earlier in the week. I think it means so much as far as moving forward. I think we saw a mentality shift happen this past Saturday as Auburn just decimated LSU. And I think a big part of that has to do with kind of this mentality that we saw Gus have in 2013 and in 2017 where he didn't care what the score was. He was still trying to score no matter what. I know it's Chad Morris calling the plays, but it's Gus Malzahn's team and it all starts with the head coach. And I think Auburn being up several scores, some people may look at that and say, hey, that's classless. How dare you run up the score? But I don't think so. LSU is still trying to win. LSU is still trying to score. So don't uh, you know? Don't let up. And I think that's something that um, we've seen Malzahn teams do in the past. I mean, we saw it against LSU a few years ago, right? Where they were up by a lot. And granted, it wasn't this much and it wasn't this late in the game. But I think we saw a mentality shift happen with this Auburn team. And uh, that's why I think that Schwartz catch was such a big deal. One, it was a great highlight. Two, it made uh, both their stats look tremendously better as far as the average yards per play. But it's, um, I, I think the culture is changing around this Auburn offense, and I think that's a, a big reason to be excited. And we've seen kind of the trickle effect of that, and obviously it's more than just that one play. It's reasons you know, why people are, are now like leaving us texts and voicemails like, can Bo win the Heisman next year, or if Auburn wins out, can they make the college football playoff? But I think this was a turning point, and I think that Schwartz catch late in the game against LSU when Auburn had already won the game, I think that's kind of... Um, a, a good way to symbolize that moment and that shift. So I, I got the Schwartz catch against LSU. Yeah, that was that was awesome. Just yeah. the excitement there, really a, a true cherry on top play, Zach. But if if I'm looking at this game for a top moment, I, I think I'm going to lean closer to probably the uh, the tut scoop and score. Okay. Um. I mean, the, the time it came in the game, the the excitement, the the defense come you know coming up with a huge play like we saw the defense do time and time again last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was that to me was one of the the most exciting and and one of my top moments 
so far this season for sure. Yeah, I mean, what have we said about Kevin Steele defenses every preseason when we've been talking about it? It's like, all right, they're good at stopping people. They're good at forcing third and long, but um, those turnovers, uh, where have those been? And I I feel like you're seeing a, a decent amount of them despite Auburn's defense probably taking a step back as far as, you know, not being quite elite this year. But you look across the rest of the SEC, and it's like I think they're definitely a top half, maybe even a top quarter SEC defense, especially over the last few weeks. But that's um, turnovers have been a thing that haven't really happened, but they are this year. And uh, I like that. I think that's a good moment to pick um, as far as Tut scoring there. Um, Another top moment for me, and and it's not a specific moment, but really the emergence of Tank Bigsby. I guess if you had to pinpoint a moment, I think you could kind of pick one or two in the Georgia game just to kind of, you know, focus on a few bright spots there because the Auburn offense looked rough, but Tank Bigsby, you know, and and all of that crud, there was a diamond in the rough there, and that, that was Tank Bigsby. No matter what Auburn does offensively, he is finding ways to get the football, and he's finding ways to move the chains and, and keep this Auburn offense on the field, whether it's by catching the football, which we saw him do a little bit in Georgia, but also just every time this guy is around the football, good things happen. And um, Auburn fans clearly love Tank Bigsby. I think he's a big part of what has made this shift possible with the offense as far as Morris kind of saying, okay, I like to throw the ball, but We've got a really good excuse to run it more than we pass it uh, with Bo Nix and Tank Bigsby, kind of that 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 duo there. And then Shivers coming off the bench, even though he's kind of started both games or the last two games. But you know what I mean as far as workload goes. Um, so, yeah, the emergence of Tank Bigsby just as a whole is uh, is my second one. Man. Uh, yeah, Tank has had some awesome runs this season. I mean, just throwing players around from the other team and – but, you know, he hasn't had that moment, Michael, where he busts like a 70-yard run yet, and I can't wait for that to happen. Because you, mm-hmm. you you know it's coming. Yeah. And they keep talking about his, they, they've they talked about his, like, how he's a, a big play waiting to happen or or, or right. a threat to take it all the way on every play. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go with another defensive play. Well, I guess my I guess it's more special teams, but the blocked punt against Arkansas. Oh, that's a good one. I love blocked punts, and, and for this one, you know, a, a fifth year senior guy, special teams all star, uh, Jordan Peters getting the big block punt in the end zone, and a guy whose name I don't even remember anymore with the recovery. <laughs> yeah. Um. Just an awesome moment at the beginning of that Arkansas game. Plus, block punt, anything that happens on special teams is just so fun. Especially when you see how that game ended and, you know, Auburn almost lost mm-hmm. it. They uh, they lose that game if that doesn't happen. So that's that's a great one. My last one, <clears throat> excuse me, is uh, Seth Williams, his big boy catch against Kentucky in the end zone. I think that set the tone for what his ceiling is throughout this year, this season. We saw him kind of disappear a little bit against Georgia and have you know some dropsies over the course of the next few games, but he's really picked it up over the last two weeks as Auburn's offense has kind of returned to form under Chad Morris and Bo Nix kind of finding his stride. But with Seth Williams, I mean, if you throw it to him, and I think he proved it in this moment against Kentucky where he, he kind of mossed some guys, 
he kind of proved that if you throw it to him, there's a chance, no matter what, that he's going to bring it down, especially in the red zone. So um, I'm going to go with Seth here to kind of be my last moment that I want to highlight so far this season. I know it was early, and a lot has happened. It feels like forever ago. But um, I, I think that was a pretty clear moment, a pretty big moment when you look back on it and you kind of say, okay, what we felt in that moment has become true over the course of the season. It wasn't just, you know, hype with that first matchup. You know, Seth Williams is exactly who we thought he was. And, um, you know, I think he's even fighting through a little bit of, uh, you know, injury. You know, we've, we've heard about that lower back. Hopefully he's healthy. Hopefully this bye week is allowing him to kind of get some rest that he needs to kind of get to that next point so he can go out and do it against Mississippi State next weekend. But, yeah, yeah, Seth's big boy catch where he mossed uh, some Kentucky Wildcats. Yeah, that was obviously one of the most exciting moments of the season. Um, it would be on my list if it was not on yours. Yeah, I kind of took some of the big ones, so uh, I, I appreciate you uh, <laughs> kind of going with some other yeah. ones. Um, hmm. I'm going to go with Zevion Capers' touchdown catch against LSU. Interesting. Okay. To end the, the first half. You know, they go 99 yards and close it out with I don't know, the, the easiest seven-yard touchdown pass that Bo Nix will ever throw. No doubt, yeah. To a, to a wide-open uh, Zevion Capers and just – the timing of that drive at the end of first of the first half to go 99 yards after it's like really they've been about the one right, um, and, and yeah to cap it off with a wide open receiver, uh, I, I thought that was incredibly impressive and incredibly exciting. I mean if you didn't if that if you did not have the utmost amount of hope going into halftime after that one. No, you're right. I mean, you, you take all momentum. And also, I think you can kind of, there's there's layers to that. I mean, I think you can make the argument of, hey, you know, Capers is rounding in the form as his true freshman wide receiver. You know, Auburn fans have been begging Gus Malzahn to put more talented freshmen on the field. And with Tank Bigsby and now Capers doing that, um, there's a lot to be excited about. And I think that play is kind of symbolic from that front, too. So I, I think that's a good one. I'm glad you bring that one up. I was not thinking, that play didn't cross my mind. When I was making my list. So that's a good one, bud. That's a good one. Hey, we got some voicemails coming up. We want to talk about Zacoby McLean and just how good he's been. But first things first, want to encourage you, if you are a beer drinker, a wine drinker, liquor, whiskey, vodka, whatever you use, uh, what or whatever you use to kind of um take the edge off, if you will, want to encourage you to go check out our friends. At Frisky Whiskey, if you're in the Auburn, Opelika, Lee County area, a lot of listeners uh, come from Georgia, whether it's Atlanta, LaGrange, Columbus. Frisky Whiskey is in the middle of all of that, and they um, they have the cheapest um, prices on beverages that I've ever seen. So want to encourage you to type in Frisky Whiskey to your phone's GPS, and it'll take you there. Odds are it's just about 20 minutes away, and uh, all of the, the prices that you will save um, I promise you that it's worth it. Frisky Whiskey, uh, 10,000 square feet of just massive selections of everything. One-stop shop for liquor, beer, wine, tobacco, and lottery. That is at Frisky Whiskey. And I, I know if you were listening to this, uh, I know podcasters or podcast listeners, rather, very, very busy with their day-to-day lives. And so you always feel like you're on. Well, I encourage you to check out the only beer that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors 
Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Course Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. Literally made to chill. Watching football is therapeutic to fans, and I know a lot of Auburn fans are going to enjoy watching college football even more because I don't have to worry about a stressful Auburn game coming up. So, Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. As always, we love to hear from our listeners. 205-502-4285. And a very loyal listener, Warden, called in. Let's hear what he had to say. Hello, gentlemen. It's Warden here. I have a fun superlative for you because I know you guys, I think, got them on Thursdays. Awesome. Uh, I mean, we got two weeks to kill until we play Mississippi State and hopefully uh, continue what we did against LSU. Right. But uh, I mentioned it on Twitter, and I got a, I got a little bit of traction, and people liked it. But superlative for Thursday, if you guys want to do it, would be things you would rather do than meet Jacoby McClain in a running lane. Because, Ooh. good Lord, uh I think I'd rather fight a bear in a four-by-four room with my hands tied behind my back than have nothing but green grass between me and him in a running lane because I don't think – I think I could survive one and not not the other. But other than that, War Eagle, uh, hope you guys have a wonderful bye week. And uh, as always, keep up the outstanding content. Hey, thank you so much, Warden. Um, what a great voicemail. Michael, I saw you and uh, Warden tweeting a little bit about this back and forth. What did you end up saying? Oh, man, I have no idea. I do not remember that at all. Oh, really? Okay. Um, I think, I don't know, I, I definitely would not want to be in that situation for sure. Um, Zacoby would absolutely break me. Um, what do his numbers look like? I know you're Mr. Analytics and like to break down stats and all of that. What, what does Zacoby McLean's numbers look like? Well, Zach, I'm glad you asked. Jacoby McLean is actually tied for first in the SEC in tackles, according to Pro Football Focus. Right. Um, I mean, that's pretty impressive in itself, considering his snap count and everything. Uh, yeah, so, I, I mean, I, I think that kind of speaks for itself, right? Yeah, he. Um, so he's played 321 snaps this season. For reference, Owen Papo has played 371 um, the highest in the SEC is 414, and that's Dylan Moses at Alabama. Uh, so what I did was I looked at how Zacoby McClain and Owen Papo have compared to other linebackers that have, um, that have played 300 snaps or more. Okay. Uh, that is 94 linebackers. Across the league. This is just 13, the SEC? No. Oh, in college football? Yes. Got it. And 13 in the SEC. Okay, I see. Um, Jacoby McLean's defense grade is a 61.5, which doesn't sound great, but it's 46th in 46th out of 94, which is about, you know, about average, yeah. about halfway. Right. Um, but when we get kind of deeper into it, you do see better optics i guess um his run defense grade of 70.8 is 19th his tackling grade of 71.5 is 23rd his pass rush grade pass rush grade of 78.5 is eighth in the country 
Uh, so that's very good. Um, and then what does drag him down is that his coverage grade is really bad. It's a 40.7, which is tied for 87th. How, ma- how, luckily, many, how many pass rush attempts does he have? Um, I can tell you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My bad. Because I just feel like we should blitz him more. And so I was pleased to hear that. I'm just curious what the sample size is there. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, let's see. Because, I've got it. Because both of Auburn's linebackers, they, I mean, I think they're both very good pass rushers with Zacoby and Owen, but it's like you only got two. So <laughs> you can't really use them off the edge a whole lot. You want to keep them fresh and you know, rotate them in and out and all that good stuff. So it's like... I kind of feel like the way Kevin Steele's using these guys sometimes is a little he's a little limited just because they're running out of linebackers. Uh Zacoby McClain has 17 pass rush snaps. And uh, in those 17 pass rush snaps he has two hits, three hurries and five pressures. Yeah, that's not bad at all. Uh no, that's that's pretty good if yeah, you ask that, me. That's pretty good. So Awesome. I'm sorry. I, I I interrupted you when you were listing off all these numbers. My bad. No, you're you're good. So among linebackers, uh, Zacoby McLean has well, Zacoby McLean has 46 tackles, solo tackles on the season, which is tied for fifth in the nation among linebackers and tied for first in the SEC among linebackers. Um. And Zachary McLean has 25 stops this season, which is second in the SEC among linebackers. What's the difference between a tackle and a stop? Um, a stop is a tackle on a play that constitutes it, – it's like um, a loss for the offense. Not a loss of yards, but like they lost the play. The defense was better than the offense on that play. Like a two-yard run on first down, something like that? Yeah, or a zero-yard gain or whatever. Yeah, Cool. Yeah, so he's been very good. So it's not just a um, Mm -hmm. we watch him play and he's exciting and we feel like he's good. He is actually like – he's actually showing out. Yeah. Yeah, so that's good to know. That's – yeah, that's definitely correct. Um, (laughs) Run run plays especially. Um, His stop percentage, which is like a measure of – the number of, I don't know, the number of play, run plays that he's in in which he gets a stop, basically, mm-hmm. is third in the SEC. So the dude's flying around the field making tackles left and right. Yeah, I mean, he's been awesome. And as far the as only, him stepping up, you know, in K.J. Britt's absence, I mean, he has been, I mean, he's been a big reason why this Auburn defense has been held together, for sure. Yeah, the only reason that he doesn't get to play more is – because of, of that coverage ability. Yeah. And just for reference, so I said earlier, um, his Zacoby McLean chainsaws uh, coverage grade is a 40.7, which is not good. Um, Owen Papo's coverage grade is a 66.1, which is good for 18th in the country. Yeah. Out of 94 linebackers. So, I mean, again, not elite but that is um, that's certainly a good number. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and you know we, we talked about personnel, what to kind of expect as we took a quick early glance at Mississippi State next Saturday, and it's like you want Owen on the field more, so 
we'll um we'll see what that looks like over the next week or so. Built Go makes you the best at what you do, no matter what it is. Break through your wall, whether it's mental or physical, with Built Go every single day. It's easy to take in one and a half ounce packages. You can put it in your briefcase, your purse, your backpack, whatever, even your pocket. It's small enough. Built Go, it's the best workout gel on the market. Comes in three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. So how does it work so well? Well, Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein. That is a protein that's good for your body. It agrees with your body. It's easy to break down. It's also loaded with good stuff. To ignite your work, beta alanine, B3, honey. It's got a little bit of caffeine in there as well. Built Go then uh, kicks in to keep you going strong with B6 and B12 vitamins. And collagen promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. The stuff literally makes you look better as well as makes you feel better. So go to BuiltGo.com, use promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, and you'll get 30% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED. For 30% off at BuiltGo.com, let's go. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right, let's hit on our other voicemail that we're going to play today. This is a friend of the program, Evers, calling back. All right, here's what Evers had to say. Hey, Zach and Michael. This is Evers Caps. Hope you guys are doing well. Um, before the season started, like, all year, of course, everyone was talking about Will Bo Nicks, take Bo Nicks, excuse me, um, take that next step. Sure. And uh, I know on my last call I mentioned that it looks like they've actually coached him in the last two weeks. And mm-hmm. with a bye week coming up, you know, that should, you know, mean more improvement. But um, has that next step maybe come after a game where you threw three interceptions and, truth be told, you literally gave the game away? Um, was that, I guess you could say, the turning point in his career? Maybe a light was flipped on? Um, again, we're only two games in. The defenses we've played haven't been all that great. But on the flip side, you know, Trevor Lawrence is amazing. We're always talking about how amazing he is. Let's just be honest. ACC defenses aren't that great either. So, no, it's not a top tier defense the last two weeks, but you're still having to do it. And I mean, even in games that we should be blowing out people, it, it kind of would seem like Bo would just either get lucky, um, or just those tendencies was still there, but he would just kind of make it happen. So was it maybe a three-interception game that may have, you know, kind of flipped it for him, that maybe you're seeing that yeah. step from a freshman year? I don't know. And we'll know more in the coming weeks. We'll know more how the season ends out, you know. But uh, just kind of would like to know y'all's thoughts on that. Thank you, guys. Bye. Hey, thanks, Evers. Always appreciate your calls and texts, my friend. As far as the turning point of Bo Nix's career, I mean, I think you kind of mentioned it, Evers. I mean, it's only been two games. We don't know, but, I mean, just looking at it, he certainly seems different. Um, I mean, we hear about how motivated this kid is. I can't imagine he, like, wasn't motivated to be doing all this stuff prior to that game against South Carolina, but maybe it ignited something. I'm not sure. Maybe it forced the coaching staff to get more involved, whether it's his development or his game prep. 
But still, I, I can't imagine they weren't doing that before. Um, but all in all, I mean, something's changed. Something's worked. And Michael, you mentioned this, and I think you worded it really well, but it's like you could blame it on Auburn playing bad defenses, but he just looks better. Like, I mean, this, the eye test, I mean, he is passing it in every single way. I mean, statistically, he's had his best two games of his career the last two weeks. And I, I just think there's a lot to take away from how Bo Nix has played since that terrible game in South Carolina. So is it the turning point? I don't know. But based off of, you know, just having two weeks of data to look at, you look at how he's played after that game versus how he's played before that game, and it's like, yeah, it's a night and day difference. And as far as him playing against bad defenses, most of the defenses he's going to play from here on out aren't that great. I mean, Tennessee has been inconsistent. Mississippi State, I, I think they're probably the, the, the maybe may the best defense that they're going to play. And it's just I don't feel confident in Mississippi State being able to score a whole lot of points. So I think Bo Nix is going to be able to, you know, hand the football uh, off, keep the clock running, and kind of, you know, just kind of wear this opposing defense down. We'll talk about that more next week. But A&M's been hit or miss defensively. Alabama's been hit or miss defensively. So, I mean, this just isn't the year of the defenses in the SEC. So I don't know how much that even really matters when you look at it just because it's not like – they're gonna. They see this big stone wall of a defense coming their way on their schedule in the next few weeks. So, uh, Pat, do you agree with me there? Yeah, I do agree with you, Zach. And and if we want to talk about data, yes, um, Bo Nix in the last two weeks has a ninety point one offensive grade, which is an incredibly good grade. Yeah, um, that puts him third in the SEC uh, for reference. Joey Gatewood is last. Yikes. Bo Nix has an 87.4 pass grade. Also good for third in the SEC. Uh, For reference, Joey Gatewood is last. Bo Nix also, he has a a 73.1 run grade, which is good for fourth in the SEC. And for reference, Joey Gatewood is tied for 12th out of 14. Okay, I, you know I'm very high on Joey Gatewood. If we took just Bo Nix's game against Georgia, which is the only game that Joey Gatewood has played was against Georgia, Bo would not look good either. Um, I believe it was two games. Has he started two games? He's played in two games. Yeah, I think his one start, though, was against Georgia. Well, I'll tell you in one sec. <laughs> It's going to be interesting, like, the constant comparison between Bo Nix and Joey Gatewood for the rest of their lives. Yep. Um, well, I can... Hold on. I don't know if he started the first game. I don't think he did. Because I think yeah, they made that man. announcement, like, halfway through last week. But, I mean, regardless, still, it's not great. You don't want to be last ever. But... But like, let's not act like Bo was good against Georgia. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, he against. Oh yeah, against Missouri. He. It looks like he came in at the very end. He had four dropbacks and three attempts. Okay, but I mean, dude, his grades against Georgia it's a, it's a thirty-seven. It's not great. What was Bo against Georgia? You're making me do a lot of clicking. I'm here. sorry, man. Um, 
You brought up the joke. You wanted to bring Joey Gatewood into this. I just thought it was interesting. He was last, to be honest. Against Georgia, Bo was a, had a, got a 60.4. It was that high? How, yeah, he was average. How was it that high? Dude, he was not average against Georgia. That was a disaster on all fronts. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't yeah, as bad as I most thought. Of, I don't know. Hold on. Most of the disaster against Georgia was because he they didn't block anybody. I, yeah, that's a good point. That's true. That's true. Bo was worse against South Carolina. Yeah, that's not surprising. Okay, got it. Um, once again, I interrupted you as you were giving stats. Uh-oh. I got to go back. Um, <laughs> I hear you clicking and typing and stuff. Uh, let's see. I do want to shout out the offensive line here in the last two weeks because they have been playing really well. Yeah. Um, Bo's clean dropback percent, so the percentage of his dropbacks where he is not pressured, has been 73.4, which is, I feel like, higher. And Bo's adjusted completion percentage on those plays is an 82.2%. That's very good. So they're keeping him clean, and, and he's completing passes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the offense has come together over the last few weeks. We'll see um, We'll see what happens with this bye week. I think the big thing's going to just get guys healthy and and um, try to keep the locker room COVID-free. So, mm-hmm. Pappas, where can people find you and hear you, buddy? Follow me on Twitter, at CouchPapTato. I'm on Twitter at ZBlackby. Show's on Twitter at LockedOnAuburn. On Instagram at Auburn Podcast. We'll be back tomorrow for a Ferg Friday right here on Locked On Auburn. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.